Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, in the week in which the Art Basel Art Fair is taking place, we're discussing this year's Art Basel and UBS Global Art Market Report. Each year, the Deep Dive Research provides a comprehensive macroeconomic analysis of the state of the global art market. So, what does this latest edition reveal? Well, let's start with our good friend Claire McAndrew, founder of Arts Economics and the cultural economist who authors the research each year. Claire McAndrew, it's great to have you with us. As always, uh, we look forward to our chats uh, every year to sort of really dive into the the Art Market Report and hear from you about some of the learnings. Regular listeners, I'm sure the same, and they might be familiar with what the objectives are each year, but perhaps just for the uninitiated to, to start with, just tell us what the what what's the objectives actually when you set out to compile the art market report each year what's in what's in your sort of crosshairs as it were thanks tom i think what it is like during the year there's a lot of reporting on individual artists or perhaps you know big prices paid for different individual works at auction and things but this report tries to bring everything together in one place and look at how the industry as a whole is faring so it looks at the major macro trends that are happening in the art market each year. And I think importantly, it includes the dealer sector and the gal- and gallery sales as well as auction figures. So it's it's the industry report for the year on the kind of barometer of how sales are doing each year. Yeah. And I guess against that backdrop, it is still interesting to look at what the headlines are in each edition. And we're up to well, I don't know what it must be the fifth, I think now. Tell us about this year's edition. I mean, there's a kind of a broad positive note about the resilience of the market. That was one of the first things that jumped out at me. Sure. Yeah, it's been it's been a very interesting period with a lot of ups and downs. And I think last year was probably the first relatively normal year. Not everywhere China was still suffering from the zero COVID policies and things. But it was quite a mixed picture between different regions and segments last year. And I think when we put them all together, all these different parts of the market together, we did see growth, but it was quite moderate. It was only 3% growth year on year. So sales reached just under 68 billion. So not not quite a peak in the market but it's second highest ever level. And certainly restoring everything we lost during the pandemic. So we're out of that recovery phase and we're into growth again. Uh, And how much just on that point, Claire, is of the growth is driven though by the higher end of the market? Because we saw this pre-pandemic and in fact, since the get-go, I think we've had this conversation about the skew, if you like, towards the very top end of the market. Is that still what's driving that growth figure? Yes, very much so. I mean, as you're saying, it's the case most years that the high end does a little bit better, but we saw that in the extreme really last year. And it's it's paralleling what's happening in, with wealth and global wealth as well. But I mean, the bigger dealers performed much better than the smaller dealers year on year. And I think it's amazing if you look at the auction sector, we saw these crazy records last year. I think there was six lots selling for over 100 million last year. But in fact, it all of the lower levels, there wasn't much growth at all. And it was only actually the 10 million plus segment at auction that saw this kind of uptick. Everything else was was falling year on year. So it's, it's a really uh, divided market last year. Uh, now, you did mention uh, China. And again, it's complicated, isn't it? Because there are all sorts of societal and geopolitical factors at, at play, I guess, as well. But it was interesting that the UK returned to the number two spot. Is this a, a rare crumb of comfort for the UK, which is still having a bit of a wobble in soft power terms? Or again, does the fact that the UK is at number two maybe reflect other themes and trends that are shaping the market? 
I think, I mean, the UK did okay. I think people were surprised. And I think it's quite an internationally focused art market in the UK. The outlook for a lot of gallery sales and the auctions are quite international. So in some ways, the performance of the British art market is more about what's happening elsewhere than, than what's happening in the UK. It still did pretty well, though. But I think that jockeying for position between second and third with China and the UK coming out on top was connected to the fact that China had a particularly bad year. I mean, it dropped back to third place and 17% versus the UK's 18%. And it was just really these zero COVID policies that were really hampering sales, events were cancelled. So it was a, it was inevitably a bad year for, for China. And again, you know, just as there was by segment, it was a really mixed picture by region. I mean, the US was the big winner, I think, last year, really powering ahead. And now the US accounts for 45% of sales by value in the art market. So still quite, quite a mixed picture. And these things are making the overall growth more muted. This is what's dampening down the overall figures. Yeah. And just on sales, Claire, I know one thing that we've spoken about and the focus was really interesting, of course, during the pandemic, where there were so many restrictions on physical trade across the piece. We talked about the shift to digital, which was a necessary consideration for many who perhaps wouldn't have considered it before. And lots of peripheral benefits about democratising the market, aiding transparency and so forth. What are we seeing in this year's data and what's the feedback, maybe anecdotally, that you hear about the ongoing shift to, to digital? Because I guess people have loved getting back to, to affairs. Dealers love selling, don't they, to their clients in person where they can. But it must be, I don't know, it feels like we're a bit back to normal post-pandemic, perhaps. I think that was it. I mean, we online was such a lifesaver during the pandemic. And I mean, online sales doubled in 2020 when the whole market was completely crashing. So, so they were a real lifeline for, for the businesses in the market. And a lot of people, as you're saying, that had never tried buying online, bought for the first time during the pandemic because they had to. But I think we were all eagerly waiting to get back into kind of live events. And it is such a personal and social business. People love to meet and see things um, in person and to share the experience of viewing art as a shared experience. So we did see both dealers and auction houses, they had a reduction in the share of e-commerce last year and online sales fell about 17%. So a big enough decline in terms of values. But if you look at the values compared to 2019, they're still up by about 85%. So 11 billion in sales is 85% higher than it was pre-pandemic. So it's settling down again, but it's still been a major shift up. And it's a catch-up phase for the art market, really, because it was lagging behind other industries in terms of the share of e-commerce for a number of years. Now, Claire, you have such a good handle on all this data, but you're not in possession of a crystal ball, as far as I'm aware yet. Who knows? Maybe you're maybe you're in the process of acquiring one. But give us a bit of a broad brush outlook if we look into the, the second half and maybe just on into 24 in, in broad terms. What kinds of things are you expecting uh, to see market-wise? I think it's been it's become more and more difficult to speculate and to forecast, especially with things like COVID just show you you can't do it. There's always something waiting in the wings that you won't be prepared for. But uh, you know, Looking at the year so far, we've seen obviously the big auction sales in spring have done pretty well. We saw a couple of billion in the in the major auction houses selling already. I mean, the catchphrase seems to be mixed performance still, though. It's, you know, people that were buying were looking for very specific things. And there seemed to be much less kind of purely financial or speculative investing than in some previous sales. And that could be tied to the interest rate environment. I think people are being a little bit more careful with their money rather than it being a market correction or anything like that. And as always, I think you can't really generalize. I mean, some artists 
could be considered overpriced, but certainly not all of them. There were some buy-ins, but there were some some good sales as well. There was a few withdrawn works we saw at those major auctions as well, which does signal a little bit of nervousness about the strength of the market. And I know talking to some people that were consigning works or thinking of consigning works, they were saying that they possibly could have got more for individual works, say, a year ago. But they also felt they were going to do better now than they would in, say, three or six months' time. So they were prepared to run with slightly lower reserves. And the other big barometer, of course, is the fairs. And um, the fairs we've had so far have done very well. I mean, Art Basel Hong Kong came back firing on full cylinders. It was a great success. And then we've got Art Basel in Basel next week, which feels like a very important barometer to to see how how people are feeling kind of mid-year. Well, yeah. And just on that, I mean, you must be personally excited. I know you're heading over shortly. It's great that they're back, you know, whether it's sort of anecdotally or what the stats tell us, you know, these fairs are so important. And, you know, Art Basel Basel, I've noticed an almost sort of tangible sense of anticipation across, I I don't know, galleries who are exhibiting there, artists, people who are thinking of acquiring artworks. There's a real excitement. I mean, it must be such a fillet for the sector. It is. I mean, these are still key events for not just for sales, though, but also for just engagement and meetings and and connections. You know, just trying to prepare my own diary. I've I've got like all my days are stacked full of meetings and it's the same for everyone that's there. So it's not just it's not just sales, even though they're critical for, for dealer sales, but they're a great central meeting place for the art market. And these bigger global events are a great opportunity for people from all over to kind of get together and for new collectors as well that are coming into the market to see everything, I suppose, in one short snapshot so that there really are still critical events and there's such enthusiasm to get back into it again. People are editing what they're doing a little bit. They're not going to every single fair, but people are concerned about sustainability and all the other factors. Um, now they were less, a little bit less worried about the health implications. But even given that, people are so, so keen to get back and engage with people and share the experience again in person. Yeah. And just one final thing, Claire. I mean, that's really interesting about that engagement. As you said, it's not just about buying. It's about the strength of the whole sector and what it contributes, you know, in economic terms and so forth. One thing that's really interesting to me, just in the time over the years that we, we've chatted with you and, and with colleagues across UBS and, of course, from Art Basel as well, a real depth of understanding about the space. And a lot of that has been, uh, prepare for a compliment, Claire, it's coming, it's incoming, um, I think has been driven by by this report. You know, it's three brilliant kind of stakeholders. You've got your arts economics hat, obviously, but then UBS is a big supporter of Art Basel itself. And we've spoken to Noah and people before. It's really added something that perhaps wasn't there before. I mean, you must be very proud and it must be thrilling to be the, the author, the creator of this thing that is really kind of moving the discourse around the sector forward. Absolutely. And these are they're great partners to be with to do this kind of research. I mean, I'm still, they, they allow me my independence to carry out this research every year in a very kind of objective and independent way. But they're great supporters and everyone coming from slightly different angles, you know, the gallery sector, UBS with their collector surveys as well as being pivotal in, in the research we've done as well. So it's, it's really strengthened what we can do. And there's so many new possibilities as well, so much more data which is a good thing, but it needs so much more understanding and research done for people to be able to interpret it properly. So it's, it's a really exciting time. And I think I'm with really good partners to be able to engage more with so many possibilities going forward. So I just need to replicate myself about 10 times over <laughs> to have to do all the, the possibilities there are out there. But it's, you know, they've been really great and supportive. And just to have this as a kind of a regular point in the calendar that people can look at and see 
how the big picture of the market is going. I think it is useful to all the businesses within the art market and it's very helpful for their lobbying efforts and they've been a great support themselves as well. The excellent Claire McAndrew. Always a delight when it's art market report time that we get to check in with Claire. Next up, let's get a sense of the landscape from one of those other stakeholders that Claire just mentioned. Marco Antonini is part of the UBS art advisory team inside Family Advisory Art and Collecting within UBS. Marco, a very warm welcome to you. I'd like to start by asking you how art advisory fits into the bigger UBS family. Give us a quick introductory, if you will. Yes, we are a part of family advisory and, you know, we work with clients and, you know, sometimes individuals, sometimes families that allocate a significant portion of their wealth to their passions. And, you know, among these passions, there is a high percentage of collectors. We offer expertise, exclusive content and, uh, and even live opportunities to share and to meet, you know, and to learn from each other for our clients. We try to, to sort of start working with clients as early as possible, even when they haven't started collecting yet, to define what their collecting journey could be like, you know, their purpose, their vision, their mission as a collector, if they want to go there, you know, and, and if they wish to share it, we also have communities for them to get involved with each other and, you know, learn from each other and sort of like understand what everyone else is doing in that zone. Yeah, I love the sound of that. And it, it's great because it sounds like it's a mix, a nice mix of formal and informal, these kind of networking ideas. Tell us about that, because that must be something that's a real pleasure and privilege to be able to connect people with a shared passion or maybe to help them discover the passion from getting together and from discussing and from networking. That must be a lovely side of what you do. It is. I mean, of course, you know, personal relationships and uh, clients meeting each other is always, you know, a very pleasant moment, a very enriching moment. I mean, we have a internal community of, of clients called the UBS Collector Circle. The Collector Circle is a global community and it's open to collectors that have an interest in uh, cultural philanthropy. So philanthropists in, in the field of art find it useful to meet and connect, to also to share their experience, how to better do things, you know, and summon them when we have them in a room and talk to each other, we create a very safe space for them. You know, there are no gallerists, no art advisors, no one trying to sort of like, you know, promoting themselves for them. So we really value this safe space, this impartial space, and we we let them uh, connect and, and share, you know, their experiences. It is also a digital platform. So there's also a site that is exclusive to them. They can only see where we, we post videos, interviews and content that's specific to the, you know, the interests of a collector that operates at that level. You know, when you start getting involved in cultural philanthropy and thinking about leaving a legacy, etc., you're already you know, way more more established approach to, to your art collecting. Well, let's talk a bit about the fairs because, it you know, it was amazing, I guess, during the pandemic, it restricted people's abilities. I mean, many of them didn't happen or they went digital only. Yeah. So much excitement, Marco, about people being back in the world. We've seen this over the last you know, 18 months or so. And again, this year's edition, no, no different. Tell me just personally about Art Basel, the kind of the original and best, I often think. What does it mean to be at and around Art Basel? It must be such a thrill there's such a, a wealth of cultural delights to enjoy always i guess i've always loved it i mean i find it like just this big temporary museum you know uh, to go to since i was uh, there the first time i had a bit of a you know i have a crush on the art uh, fair feeling <laughs> the buzz the excitement all of that so it's great for me you know eventually now work with it you know we are at Art Basel and Art Advisory, UBS Art Advisory has quite a busy schedule at Art Basel. 
we usually uh, try to meet with clients, with client meetings, and you know we see many of them that we are working with, or that we will be working with, or just to get to know each other with them as well. And you know we visit the fair together. We share a bit of this excitement and and uh, and this atmosphere with them. And tell me, what about some concrete tips? Because I know, obviously, just sharing that excitement, as you said, that coming together, the discussions is is great fun. What about some more hands-on tips? I know you've you have some sort of uh, yeah bits of general advice, Marco, that I think you find are profitable for people who are attending the fair, just so they they make the most of their time there. Well, yeah, it depends a lot on the person, but you know, as we said before, we meet with with clients at various stages in their collecting journey, so to say. So, for those who are a bit more starting with collecting, I mean, like the one of the the, the key tips is always to do your research. This starts before the fair, you know, so making sure that you know who will be there, what they will be bringing, and where the artists you're interested in will be represented, because at an art fair, as Art, as Art Basel, you will see probably the artwork you are interested in in several galleries. And so for artists that have multiple representation, it's important to compare, compare the works, compare the prices, make questions. You know, that's great. always a tip. If you're there in person, you get to see the work in person, you get to see the gallerist in person, you can make questions you know, on the provenance, for example, on the conditions, on, on where the artwork stands in comparison to the rest of the work of that artist. And one of the things that comes out a lot at art fairs when we talk to clients is also the advice to avoid hurry. Because the you know we just we used ourselves the words exciting, you know, buzzy to describe the fair. And that's exactly what it is. But that also results sometimes in collectors feeling a bit of pressure, you know, to to make their decisions and getting the impression maybe from the galleries or the dealer that that's their only chance to get something, last chance to get something. I mean, we always advise to avoid. Making decisions in a hurry is always, you know, is a uh, pretty common sense thing to avoid, I would say. And, uh, you know, and uh, considering that sometimes in art fairs also galleries bring quite ambitious works, some, some of our best. Sometimes, you know, we also think with the clients, we try to make sure that they consider the challenges of buying a certain kind of artwork. You know, we see a lot of works that are, works that will require some, some sort of maintenance, you know, because of the, the sheer size of it, the materials, if they're made of something perishable or fragile, or if they're time-based works, which need technology and, and installations to perform the work in a sense, you know, we want to make sure also that that's considered, you know, that the, the purchase takes in consideration what it means to really take care of a work in time. Yeah, so much to, to think about. And I think that's a really sage point about not, almost not getting overexcited. It's understandable that that would, that would happen, I guess, on, on some occasions. Tell us, Marco, a little bit more about what UBS gets up to at the fair. Obviously, we know that there's this very long-standing and deep partnership with the event. And actually, we've had the fortune before to chat with various people, uh, friends from within UBS, with artists at the UBS Lounge, for example. Presumably, the, the Lounge will be there again this year. Tell us about some of the different aspects of the UBS program uh, at Art Basel this time around. Yeah, we really have quite a program this year. I'm excited myself to see some some of the things we've been working on to to see them, you know, at the fair. I mean, I think at, at the center of our presence in Art Basel, there is the UBS Lounge. Our client lounge is always always hosts projects organized by the UBS Art Collection, and this this year makes no difference. There is a, a beautiful selection of recent acquisitions from the UBS Art Collection, and it goes along with the release of the latest publication from the collection, which is called Reimagining New 
new perspectives. So the book will also be there and, you know, in connection to the selected artworks. And on the, on the topics of this showcase of acquisitions and, and of the book, of course, there will be a panel, the auditorium. This is a public event, so everyone can go to this. We organized the panel with Alicia Quade, Javier Simmons, Sandra Mujinga, and the moderator will be critic and curator Enuma Okoro. This is on Thursday at 11 a.m. in the auditorium. And close by the auditorium, there is also the UBS Art Studio, which is our space, you know, our booth, so to say, you know, at Art Battle. It's also public because it's in, a, in Hall 1, in a part where everyone can go. And you can see there an artwork by Kosovan artist Petrit Halilai. Petrit is a great artist, and I'm so completely jazzed to have this work in the collection. It is a large-scale work, you will see. No spoilers, <laughs> I guess. But let's just say that it's part of a series of works that is a meditation on memory and on, on the personal recollections of wartime, which the artists experience. And so the theme of war and conflict and memory, etc., resonate really profoundly today. We're you know, in a world where there are several wars going on, certainly the conflict in Ukraine. Apart from this, we also have a participation, uh, an artwork in the parkour program. The parkour is the, for those who don't know, is the, the part of Basel that takes place outside the Messe, you know, so in public space in the city of Basel. And we have a beautiful work by Melike Kara in one of our UBS branches, one of the, the ones in the historic city center of Basel as well. I think I, I might have covered it all. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, as you see, we're pretty busy. And, and on top of this, we also have like several super interesting client events, which are not really publicly accessible in the lounge with more, you know, more talks and opportunities to meet artists and even the directors, you know, of Art Basel who will be there and would like to share with us their experience of running this incredible fair. Marco Antonini. And that work sounds well worth tracking down if you are in Basel this week. Finally, on this Art Basel special of the programme, let's check in with our friend and a regular on the show, Paul Donovan, Paul's Chief Economist in UBS Global Wealth Management. Paul, before we continue the conversation about art, I guess it's important to understand the prevailing economic backdrop um, to think about what happened through 2022 in particular before we get into the economics of the art market specifically. Yes, absolutely. I think that, that what we saw obviously in, in 22 was a growing number of challenges economically. The economy was coming off sort of the, the post-pandemic bounce in many countries and we saw the challenge to consumers of, of rising rates and higher inflation. Uh, nevertheless, I think that art collectors have continued to be fairly steady in their support for the art market. So we have seen resilience of this, even as the global economy was facing some challenges. And that was actually reflected across the board with consumers, that consumers were perhaps a little surprisingly resilient in the face of these challenges, that people were you know, carrying on spending, not extravagantly perhaps, but there was a, a fairly steady pace of spending. But within that, of course, both in the global economy and more specifically in the art market, there was some unevenness to the patterns of demand. Not everyone was, was growing at the same pace at the same time. Some areas did better than others. Well, yeah, and maybe before we talk about some more of the specifics in in the piece, just remind us if we take a sort of step back, Paul, about just the art market and why it is such an interesting uh, barometer. As you mentioned, in some instances, it's a bit of an outlier. But I know for you and your colleagues, it's a personal and a, and a corporate passion as well of, of UBSs, of course. But remind us why there's such an enduring interest in, in this sector, first of all. Well, I think art reflects a 
combination of issues that art can be about physical possession of a good, if you want to put it that way, but it's also a form of leisure entertainment. I mean, it's it's not just the purchase of a piece of art to put in your home and to admire, but it's also the process of acquiring art. It's it's the you know, attending the art fairs or visiting galleries. There's a tourism element there. There's a, an experience there. There's the enjoyment of socialising and talking with like-minded art collectors. So what you've got with the art market is this actually very, very complex series of different aspects coming together in a single product. Now, we regard art as a passion project rather than as an investment as such. It's very clearly something that people enjoy and get a lot of satisfaction about rather than necessarily investing for returns. And so it it really is about this complex mass of things. It's a good, it's a service, it's uh, a physical possession, but it's also a leisure activity. That's what makes it such an interesting area. It is something which is geared more towards higher income individuals, but not exclusively so. And one of the things that we've been seeing in recent years is an element of democratization, the the fact that although the share of online uh, art sales has come down, obviously, since the pandemic, it is still above pre-pandemic levels. And that makes art accessible to perhaps a wider number of people that you, you, you don't have to travel necessarily and perhaps be intimidated about going into a gallery. You can look online and, and actually see something you you appreciate and you really like and, and make a purchase that way. So it's something I think which has been evolving in a very interesting way over the course of the last few years. Paul, we heard from Claire earlier about the 2023 edition of the Art Market Report. Just tell us, what do you and your colleagues expect or hope to learn from the report each year when it's published? The art market itself is a part of the global economy, and it's it's something which is important to monitor, both in a direct sense, you know, that it matters, it employs a lot of people, it's a, it's a global market, but also because it is a barometer to some extent to what certain groups of individuals may be doing. So to that extent, it's it's a helpful contribution to our understanding of the bigger global economic picture. Obviously, a lot of our clients are passionate art collectors. It's something that they are interested in doing, and they are interested in what is happening in the art market. And so it's obviously something that we want to help them to understand. As I said, we regard art as as a a passion project, not as an investment, but we uh, have to offer advice on managing collections, on insuring and shipping and transport. So all of that, we need to have some degree of understanding about the art market. Also worth noting that philanthropy, which is something that is important to a number of our clients, is also something that comes into the art market, that collectors may choose to give part of their collections to museums or to the public uh, in some way to allow the public to enjoy art in a wider sense. So the philanthropic aspect is also something that we need to understand and, and be involved with. Um, Paul, it was interesting reading some of the remarks from Noah Horowitz, of Art Basel CEO, who we've we've spoken to often on this program before. He talked about how this year's edition underscored the the dynamism of, of the industry, and I think a lot of observers, however close to the business, the, uh, the art sector they are, would recognise that dynamism. Does that sometimes present a challenge, though? Can that make certain sectors that are very dynamic? I don't know. Can it make it more difficult to apply your economic frameworks and reasoning to? Or is actually that sort of part of the fun and part of the challenge? 
Well, I think it is part of the challenge. And, you know, economics itself can be be very dynamic across the whole economy. You know, we're particularly at the moment living in a in a time of a great deal of structural upheaval, lots of change, and some of the really interesting parts of economics, at least if you're an economist, is is sort of working out how to evaluate what's going on when the economy very often is moving faster than the data can keep up with. And that's why I think things like the, the Art Basel report can be so helpful, because you know, it is something that's regular, and it's, it's a constant getting back in touch with the industry to, to find out what is happening and how evolution is, is taking place in the sector. And that sort of evidence can be very valuable, I think, in something like the art market, but also, of course, in the wider economy. And it is for economists to adapt to a rapidly changing world. I mean, that's you know, what we're here for. Um, so it is up to us to adapt to make sure that we are providing the best possible analysis at all times. Paul Donovan. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week here on Monocle Radio. For more information about UBS's commitment to contemporary art, visit ubs.com forward slash art. And for more about the fair, head to artbasel.com. You can listen again and explore more at monocle.com. That's where you can also join the club and subscribe to our magazine. You can also follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening.